Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson with you along with Michael Remus, and we have a very busy show today focusing in on the yin and the yang of Winnipeg sports. The yin, of course, are back-to-back Grey Cup champion Winnipeg Blue Bombers who will celebrate the big win on Sunday in the 108th Grey Cup with their fans tonight at IG Field. And the yang, that steaming turd served up at Canada Life Center last night by the Winnipeg Jets. Lots to get to today. Ken Weeb is going to join us a little later on. He was at practice today, which... uh, was quite interesting. Completely new lines and a considerably long bag skate for the club, which I think most people would agree, probably well-earned after what we saw last night over at the downtown arena. Um, And Brandon Alexander from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the Grey Cup champs, back-to-back, is going to join us in a few minutes as well. Talk to BA about the big win on Sunday. Celebrating tonight with fans and, um, you know, all things Blue Bombers after the great victory on the weekend Uh, of course we can't do this show without our great team of sponsors thanks to all of them including f apparel vita health culligan water manitoba battery royal sports not auto corp little brown jug princess auto boston pizza the nick and nicky dq group canadian club whiskey and cool bet canada let's get right to it and welcome in michael remus to the program as well as everybody joining us in the youtube chat great to see you all remo what's up how you doing I'm like just trying to process um, what we watched last night, and I don't know what it is with the Jets and home games on a Monday or Tuesday, but the last four have been, uh, I mean, pretty close to no-shows. Has, uh, Pittsburgh, I thought they had a good first, uh, ended up losing Pittsburgh. I mean, the the switch like flipped for Pittsburgh halfway through. Uh, Arizona, we've talked about that um, so many times. Uh, you know, how many shots? And uh, we had Carolina, where they got completely outclassed, and then Buffalo. And I say this as someone, you know, keeps seeing the Jets listed as major favorites against Arizona and Buffalo. And I start taking their top line and power play on DraftKings. I mean, this has cost me financially, <laughs> financially and I'm not even going going to the games. Um, and how many goalies? Like, the list of goalies the Jets have made look like Vesna caliber this year. I mean, last night's goalie... Um, what uh, Pekka was his name? Uka, Sorry, Uka Pekka. Yeah, Lokinen, he's got a, a hyphen. They call in him it. UPL, and UPL? Uh, he just handed out his first okay. L of his NHL career. Congratulations to UPL on win number one. He was o two and one coming in. Actually, had some pretty good numbers and did play quite actually, well last night. He actually did have. I saw his numbers. I mean, they had been very good. So don't want to dump on him. But I mean, first career win. Uh, Karel uh, Vimek, Velmeka, Vimelka, Vimelka on Arizona. First shutout right here in first the pack. Shu- 46 first, saves. First shutout. And then um, Stuart Skinner, I mean, looked incredible. And all I keep hearing since that game is how uh, Edmonton needs a goalie. Like, I, I feel like I'm watching the same thing over and over here, Huss. The Jets um, at home and games they should win. Uh, I mean, that was a total, uh, total egg. And Palmer said, said it himself. Um, you know, they skated for 15, 20 minutes, like, and that was after last Tuesday when he said he didn't have them prepared. So yeah, listen, we'll hear Uh, from uh, a few comments from uh, Nate Schmidt, Nikolai Ehlers and Paul Maurice who spoke after the game. Uh, I mean, I was at the game last night. Um, you know, it was a similar walkout to the Arizona game of the arena. Uh, A lot of disgruntled people, 
I mean, you heard the boobers at the end of the game. I mean, it was just a life. Listen, the building was lifeless from the get-go, and nothing on the ice happened at any point that really got fans into the game. Um, it was just a, it was a downer uh, for everybody involved. Um, and it did sort of feel like the Arizona game, but I think it's even worse last night because, um, you know, certainly how poor the Sabres looked at times. And, you know, the Maurice did say the team skated for 15 or 20 minutes. I mean, there was a period of time where they were all over the place dominating the game. Um, and then they just shut it down from skating. But I was, <laughs> I was saying off air, Reem, uh, I was listening to Dr. Rusin's press conference earlier today. And like many of us, I'm sort of numb to all the COVID things. But, you know, the fact that we're seeing all of these numbers in sports happen um, and increased concern as what's happening with the variant and what that happens here. They were doing a press conference. So I'm listening to it and I'm thinking, oh, man, don't tell me that they're going to, you know, say that fans can't go to the games anymore. And normally I'd be saying, well, that sucks because we won't be able to game, go to the game. I, I was literally thinking, well, if they're going to do that, why couldn't they have done that before yesterday's game? So we would have all been saved the indignity of sitting through that 60 minutes at Canada Life Center. Yeah, and I don't know if we're, we're close to um, Vancouver where, you know, people are chanting for other people's jobs. But, I mean, the booze at the end of the game, I mean, I heard it was pretty loud in the arena. It came through on TV. I mean... People are paying money to go see and to put in an effort where, again, they're skating for 15 to 20 minutes, according to the head coach. I mean, I don't want to say like embarrassing, but I mean, you're get you just got lost to Buffalo and Arizona at home, uh, the Islanders too. So if you're a, you know, a bottom team in the league and you want to get a win, it seems like come to Winnipeg on a Monday or Tuesday and uh, they'll just shoot the puck into your goal, goalie's chest over and over. You know, if you're a goalie who needs a first career win, huh, seems like here's the place to do it. Yeah, no, there's been, uh, there's been plenty of firsts here in the peg for, uh, for young players, goaltenders, especially over the past, over the past little while. Uh, but listen, we won't bother talking too much about Buffalo. They got what their first win they broke a seven game losing streak. They had one win in their last yep. 11 or 12 going in last night. Um, that's a, that's a win you have to have. And I mean, for all of the, I'll just call them what they are, excuses that we've heard at times over the course of this season. The travel, the time zones, the, you know, all of it. it was a long road trip coming back and then playing the first game. I mean, all that stuff, um, it, listen, it's unacceptable. And that it, those are the losses that could absolutely be the difference between uh, the team being in a comfortable playoff position and playing for their lives down to game number 80, 81, and 82 of the, of the regular season. Um, make no mistake about it. If this team does not make the playoffs or, you know, is just sneaking in, um, you know, we'll look back to this last month and these games at home on Mondays and Tuesdays that have been devastating to uh, the club. I mean, regulation losses kill you, but regulation losses to the worst teams in the National Hockey League. Um, I mean, you're just burning points and giving a major leg up to all of your opponents because chances are, that they're beating those teams when they get those opportunities. And, uh, and, you know, it was just disappointing the way everything went. I mean, I didn't think Hellebuck had a great game, but he's getting a pass from me. I mean, as far as, you know, the uh, the long list of issues with the Winnipeg Jets, to me, he's at the bottom of them. Um, but, man, Rima, when you look, you know, Blake Wheeler's out of the lineup. All right, time for guys to step up. Um, I thought Mark Shifley, I mean, there were a couple times where he did have some, you know, have some real good chances earlier on in the game. Um, but man, it just seemed to turn off for that line for 55 in particular. And then you look at the, 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 
box score at the end of the game. Zero goals, zero assists, zero points, minus two, 25 minutes and 19 seconds of ice time. And then you compare that to Pierre-Luc Dubois, who had 19 minutes, was clearly the Jets' best player, scored a goal, set one up, and you really do wonder what gives, um, you know, with some of the, the the decisions that, you know, Coach Paul Maurice is playing. And then there's just the, the entire other conversation of, you know, having a team ready to play, um, up for the challenge. And far too often this season, especially on home ice, as we've sort of laid out, um, that hasn't been there and it hasn't been good enough. And, you know, he sort of jumped on the sword last week, um, as we'll hear in a little bit, um, wasn't doing as much of that last night and quite clear that his anger and frustration came to a head because of what we're hearing happened at practice today with a full shuffling of the lines, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, but the first significant extended bag skate I can remember for this hockey club in a long, long time. Yeah, and I think, you know, you look at last night's game, I think a lot of the frustration, I mean, you see players playing well and, you know, Ehlers and Dubois and they don't get rewarded with more ice time. Um, you know, they get broken up. I guess you're trying to get other guys going, but you have a line that's going and then you're you're breaking up. Now, I'm not a coach. I don't know if that's ideal, but it, they had the the du, what the Connor Dubois Svechnikov line earlier in the year, which was going one of the top lines in the league. And they broke they broke that up to get other lines going. And it really um, it completely backfired. And their team has you know seemingly been in been in the tank. I, I think we're beyond using that as an excuse anymore but we're way we beyond using but, that an excuse and again all it, they did was yeah. swap Svechnikov for Blake Wheeler right. I mean it's not like oh they eventually did end up splitting up Dubois and Connor mm -hmm. and that was the one thing that I said hey when things are struggling figure it out you know get the blender out but the one thing I didn't want to see was moving 80 and 81 apart mm -hmm. because they had been so good and that was the one real reliable group that we'd had this year mm -hmm. uh, because of course Shifley was out for a while Ehlers had a spotty start um, but anyways, all those people that love that line are getting their uh, mm. getting their wish. Svechnikov moving all the way up from uh, the fourth line to, um, well, I guess it's the second line right now. I mean, listen, if you ask me, whatever line that Pierre-Luc Dubois is on right now is the number one line for the Winnipeg Jets. Now, it does not reflect it in who played, uh, in how much they were playing right now in certain situations, but I think most people who've been watching this team would agree that that is the case, at least right now, based on the performances of the players. Uh, let's hear a little bit of what the Jets had to say after the game last night. Let's start off with Nate Schmidt. He, uh, along with Nikolai Ehlers, spoke on uh, the loss. And, um, of course, there were questions about the leadership as well as the head coach. And uh, Nate Schmidt had this to say. When you guys played Carolina a week ago, I think Paul came in after the game and said, it's on me. I, I didn't have them ready to play. Um, we haven't heard from Paul yet, so I don't know what he's going to say, but... Did you feel like you guys were ready to play tonight? Is this on the coaching? Is it on the players? It's on the players. Yeah. Uh, that's just that's us having the giddy up and they get going to to play and understand that this team like they're gonna go all like you said like next set they got young players they're good they're skilled they're they can make plays and 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 you're playing with that kind of you know goal there and just kind of go and play type of attitude like you, know, you can go and you. Have a lot of confidence to make those types of plays, and when there's not, and you know, like for some of these young guys, you know, they're breaking the league, and they're you know, good players, and but that's all. It's 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 100 percent on us, you know, to get ready for the game and be be prepared, and, and you know, have the giddy up and the jump to go out and, and play the whole game. 
All right, so there's Nate Schmidt talking about the, uh, I guess, the approach, what they saw from the game. I mean, I don't think there's any way to to put it other than that was a less than professional outing for a professional hockey team that had every reason coming off the road, couple days off, a day of practice. I mean, there were no excuses about travel, no excuses about rest, anything like that. And you've got the Buffalo Sabres coming in and you lay a stinker like that. Um, you know, there major, major questions have to be asked. And I know a lot of people are all over the coach and, you know, rightly so in a situation like this. I mean, I think it begs some serious questions as to, you know, is he getting anywhere close to what should be coming out of this lineup? Um, but also the players themselves. And, um, well, Nikolai Ehlers after the game had uh, some pointed comments about he and his teammates in the game last night and uh, uh, got a little colorful as well. Here's what Nick had to say. Uh, you feel shitty every time you, you lose a game. Um, and in this league, it doesn't matter who you're playing against. You know, every every team can win the game. And it felt shitty against Carolina, and, and it feels shitty again today. Um, but there's a, there's a new game in, in what, two days? Um, that's the beauty of the league. You know, you, you get to... Uh, Obviously, we're we're gonna look at what we uh, what we did right and what we did wrong, and uh, and move on. Um, we got lots of lots of games left. Um, so yeah. All right, there's Nikolai Ehlers. Uh, was shitty to lose. Yeah, it was shitty to watch it. it was shitty for every uh, for all parties involved last night. If you're on the Winnipeg side of the ledger, um, that being said, the Buffalo Sabers probably feeling pretty good about themselves. Uh, they waited a long time to get that win, and they got it here in Winnipeg. But uh, I'd imagine certainly when it came to uh, my social media replies last night after the game, probably shouldn't be surprised that uh, most of the questions were about head coach Paul Maurice and how could his team come out and lay an egg like that, um, considering what's been happening over the last you know month, um, the issues in some of these games on home ice that we've talked about. Um, and the fact that you've got an opportunity to get right back into the mix and on the right side of the playoff line where they don't happen to be right now. Uh, so uh, here's uh, a little bit of what the coach had in a very brief press conference after last night's loss. We, we skated for about 15, 20 minutes. We skated hard. And then uh, then they were faster than we were. Sort of said that it was on you to not get them prepared. And I, I personally, I thought you were taking cover for your players. That was my interpretation. Would you feel the That's same? That's my way job. Tonight? We got to play faster than that. We got to play harder than that. We're more engaged than that, regardless of our set of circumstances. We need to be better than that. So was that tonight on? I guess their fired upness. Pardon the wrong word. No, we we got to we got to the right pace. We just didn't maintain it or sustain it. We didn't do enough hard things well. When you leave a guy wide open in front of your net, you got a problem. A very frustrated Paul Maurice afterwards. Um, I guess the, the question that, you know, that answer begs is, how the hell does a team just turn it off after playing well for 15 minutes? Um, you know, especially in the third period, Reem. And, you know, we'll get into the, you know, we'll talk to Ken more about special teams and, you know, what's happening. They got a power play five seconds into the third period. And in a lot of ways, it felt like the five-minute or the last week against Carolina sort of knew that this was going to be the opportunity. And um, 
nothing happened and nothing happened really for the rest of the period. Um, Buffalo scored again and there was never that push back from the Winnipeg Jets in that game. And, um, you know, that made it extra disappointing. I mean, this wasn't a goalie that stood on his head and completely stole a game. This was a team that basically just shut it down and didn't do any of the things that you need to do top to bottom in your lineup to expect to win in the National Hockey League. And, you know, we joke about Arizona and you joke about Buffalo and how bad they are. These guys are in the NHL. And if you don't show up to play, you're not going to win hockey games. And unfortunately, we've been reminded of that lesson far too often this year on home ice in Winnipeg. It's pretty disappointing, I think, to see, especially you talk about the excuses. I mean, you always hear, oh, back to back. Uh, travel, time zones. I mean, there was there was nothing. <laughs> those are the greatest but, hits. Yeah, those are the greatest hits of the excuses. Yeah, but there's no excuse for yesterday, and you didn't even hear anything from the mm-hmm. players. There's no reason. You got back on Saturday from Vancouver. You had a couple of days off. You're rested. Oh, oh, sorry. Here's the one. The one is first game back after a road trip. Uh, sorry, <laughs> that was that was the one there, and there it was um, yesterday. I mean, the Jets were minus two hundred favorite. I mean, if you were betting uh, at home, I mean, I mean, betting against the Jets on their Monday, Tuesday games the last four weeks, you'd do pretty well because of uh, Arizona and Buffalo. But it was kind of funny. We talk about how poor Buffalo is, and we talk about the Jets' special teams. Buffalo, after that power play goal last night, actually has a better power play than the Jets and a better a better penalty kill than the Jets, which is crazy to think considering the talent on the team that Winnipeg has and the expectations and even not just from like local Winnipeg, you know, us and media, but from, you know, all the spreadsheet guys putting together, uh, you know, projections using math. Everyone thought the jets would be much better than this. Currently not in a playoff spot. Um, you know, we, we've seen <laughs> jerseys thrown on the ice <laughs> in Vancouver. I wouldn't advocate that, but it seemed, I mean, they're five and zero oh since the Jersey toss. There was oh, one yeah. of the, There was was one on the ice, including a big comeback yesterday against Columbus. There was one on the ice in Edmonton. I'm not saying do that because someone wants to throw a jersey. Like I'll happily take it, but uh, but I mean, I think fans were definitely that's junk. People don't hear don't throw jerseys, but listen, they express themselves at the end of the game, and I think this fan base has been as patient as any in the National Hockey League, and certainly have it. I see Robert Sutton saying Andrew and Michael are repeating themselves. You're not kidding. We've had this conversation well, before. We joked earlier that we should just play our entire conversation with Jeff Hamilton from last week after the damn Arizona game. Um, but listen, we digress. Let's move on to much happier topics. And that, of course, is the back-to-back champs. Uh, before we do that, we saw Willie J out at the Player Awards rocking that sweet custom red suit. You know where he got it from our guys over at F Apparel. They can custom suits for men. Everyone needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. And F's custom suits start at just $400. They're the top choice in Winnipeg for wedding and grad suits as well. Wedding parties get 15% off when the group buys their suits from us. And right now, if you think a suit might be a great gift for Christmas, You can order online gift cards right now, 15% up until Christmas. So a $200 gift card will only cost you $170. Find out more, F Apparel, 190 Smith Street downtown. Make an appointment or find out more, ephfapparel.com. Our friends at Vita Health are ready for the holidays. Of course, they're a great local company that's been in business since 1936, 85 years of empowering people to lead healthy lives. And speaking of local, Vita Health has lots of great local gift ideas. 
Um, or if you don't know what to get someone, consider the gift of health with the Vita Health gift cards. They've got all the organic, plant-based, gluten-free, natural holiday fixings too. Not to mention stuffing, cranberry sauce, baking supplies, peppermint-flavored marshmallows, all the stuff to make that holiday gathering that much better. And don't forget, when you're hosting a holiday gathering this year, you might need some non-alcoholic options. They've got these great mocktails, the Clever G&T, the full line of Sober Carpenter beers. Um, so you can find all, all of that at Vita Health as you get ready for the holidays. Uh, and don't forget, fresh, local, free-roaming turkeys from Vita Health are 3 dollars per pound. You can order in store before December 19th. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge. Find out more online at myvita.ca. And Culligan, man, I know I have a feeling the Bombers, and we're going to get to this in a moment, have been enjoying themselves. They probably needed uh, plenty of water in the mornings after the last couple of days. And, of course, the uh, great folks over at Culligan have been the go-to people in Winnipeg for 65 years in the business. They've got water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, and more citywide water delivery services. And a great December special, Culligan Water, $9.99 a month for the first three months. Or you can give the gift of Culligan Water. Give them a call at 694-5180, drinkculligan.com online, or check them out over at 1200 Sargent Avenue. We'll get back to the Jets a little later on. But tonight, there's a party going down. Celebrating the back-to-back Grey Cup champions. And it is an absolute pleasure to welcome in one of the uh, studs on this legendary bomber defense and a big part of both Grey Cup teams, the man himself, safety Brandon Alexander to Winnipeg Sports Talk. BA, congratulations and thanks for doing this. How are you feeling? I'm wonderful, man. I appreciate you having me. And uh, no, I feel good. I mean, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> well, you know what? Everyone's been good. I said, you know, we're all bent about a certain hockey game last night, but I think what you and your teammates have given fans here in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba are memories to last day a long, long time. Hey, before we get to the season and the game, uh, what have the last couple of days been like? How much fun was it that flight? I mean, we saw you guys coming off uh, with the shirts off and the gray cup in hand. <laughs> that, I, I can't imagine there's much the better trips in the world than uh, getting on a flight with the championship trophy and your teammates after a season that you just had. No, I mean, it was wonderful. Like just to be able to be around the guys and celebrate with the teammates that you started day one with, you know, uh, that's really what it's all about. You know, you're seeing that we are enjoying each other at the end of the day. And um, this is a real family tight knitted community. Um, you know, everybody really loves each other, really enjoys being around each other outside of the facility, you know, and um, that's just what it was. You know, you saw the party on the, on the plane and on the bus. It's only because of the fact that we love each other that much and, and um, we know how much work that we put in and the hard, you know, all the hard things that we had to endure this season for sure. Now, uh, let's talk about the game for a minute, um, because I mean, I, there's a number of things I want to ask you about the season overall and what made this defense so special and everything that you guys were able to accomplish. But if you look at what happened over the season, I mean, you guys were just so dominant that there wasn't a lot of close games. I mean, there really wasn't a point where we talk so much about the kicking game. It never really factored in until the playoffs and the end of the season. And yet you go through the West final with the five turnovers in the first half defense holds them in. And then I would say a situation unlike any that we've seen down 12 in the fourth quarter. Um, 
give us an idea about that Grey Cup game, how much the Hamilton Tiger Cats tested you and your teammates and uh, what the key was for you guys to be able to persevere and end up with your armed raise at the end of 60-plus minutes. Well, they were they they were out there for a reason. I mean, you know, Hamilton is definitely a a, a really good team. Uh, those are really uh, good players over there. They have a good group over there, and I know that their head coach is um you know one of the, one of the good guys because our head coach talked very highly of uh of Coach Orlando Steinauer. So I know that uh, you know those players play for him as well. You know, and uh, we knew that it was going to be a hard fought game, and it's not by chance that you know we ended up seeing the same team that we played in 19 you know this the same two teams are coming back to play and this is because of the uh the amount of work that both sides were putting in and we already knew that it was going to be a tough fault game but uh those two playoff games especially in that last one that was a very that was a very difficult game we faced a lot of adversity within that game you know um and we just ended up, you know, making sure that our guys were were key and we were we were tuned and uh, we never once felt like in doubt that we were going to be lost touch with the game or uh, going to lose that game. We always felt like we had a chance and we were going to believe and um, you know we gave opportunities, you know, to to present itself and we took advantage of it. So you know, not eight. You no know, shout out to Hamilton for uh, coming out and and definitely giving us that that type of that type of game because I mean they're a phenomenal team. It definitely could have went either way. Well, and of course, Dane Evans gets knocked out. Masoli comes in. I mean, I know you guys prepared for both quarterbacks, but that does change things a little bit, certainly yeah. with the style that he plays. And, you know, they were able to move the football at times. Yeah. I mean, I think if you look back at the autopsy of the win, um, you know, you, you have to look at some of those stands by you and your defense in the red zone. Um, you know, they had three very short field goals. If any of those goes in, to, in for six, we could be having a very different conversation right now. Give us the idea within that defensive huddle about, you know, raising your level and making those absolutely key game-changing plays in the shadow of your own end zone. Well, this just shows the amount of selfless guys that we have on our team. Like, you're asking... Uh, Winston Rose, a cornerback, you know, who I don't know how much he weighs or anything. You're asking him to come down and make a third and one tackle, you know, and he makes that tackle for a tackle for loss. He just said, I'm going to put my body in here and whatever happens, happens. You know, you have Dietrich Nichols out there and in the half-back spot, he's going to take a chance on a ball that if he doesn't knock it down, then, you know, that, that's going to be a touchdown, potentially game ender. And uh, he goes with an uh, inside hand, something that's like, that's tough. You know, you're not able to wrap around a receiver. He just, he does it and he makes the play. Um, just being able to be in that right place. You know, you're asking, um, uh, the offer to, you know, stay on the stay on the bite route, be able to, to make that pass break up or be able to make that tackle. These guys were, you know, relentless and not again, they they drove that that play that I know exactly that driver you're talking about, you know. They drove all the way down. Um and then they got to like the four yard line and, you know, it's the fact that like they the team didn't like go and shambles the team didn't say you know uh no bickering or none of that we lined it back up and kept playing like these guys hit their bullseye on every single snap um that they needed to and you know that's that's what happened they prevailed you know we literally trust in the guys of when it's time for your your name to be called you know are you going to be there and um you know they definitely stepped up you, uh, Brandon Alexander's with us from the back-to-back -back Great Cup champ, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I'm sure that never gets old being introduced that way. Um, <laughs> you, you know, when you talk about that game and the defensive performances, you mentioned Nichols and Alfred, and I think back to the beginning of training camp because, you know, this team came in bringing back most of the pieces from a championship squad. We knew how good the defense was. 
but there was a big question about who the heck was going to play DB with the oh. uh, with the departures uh, in, in the roster. And uh, Alford and Nichols won those jobs. You have been credited uh, by both of those players has been a big part of kind of bringing them into the CFL and getting them comfortable with it. Um, you know, as almost a quarterback of the defense with the role that you play at safety. Um, tell us about those two guys, uh, what you saw in them early. Um, and we all remember the first drive of the entire season, Hamilton went right down on you in the first game, put it in the end zone. And then that was it. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, in specific, those two young corners and how impactful they were both in the Grey cup game, but as a part of uh, a legendary, a legendary defense all season long. Well, those two, those two guys came in and they immediately just came in and worked, you know, they didn't, uh, and they asked like where they were going to be playing or how it was going to get done. They just were glad that they were getting a chance to play, you know, football again. You know, it was that, that type of situation along with COVID or, you know, situations uh, back at home and not like, getting an opportunity. You know, they had an opportunity to play football again and they seized that advantage to seize that moment. You know, uh, you know, I, I can't say enough about those two guys coming in. You know, they did not play like I've never seen any two rookies come in and do, you know, what they've done here, you know, together, you know, from them playing on the boundary side to the Alfred moving to the field side and having to learn a whole new position over that corner. You know, being a boundary corner is literally a 360 from being a, a field corner. You don't play the same, you know, and he went over there and he he did exactly what he was supposed to do. You know, he learned. And he took everything uh, to his advantage, and he and he worked. And another guy that definitely, you know, went up there and, and did his deal was Darby as well. You know, uh, Alden Darby came in, and uh, we didn't know what the what, what they spent or anything like that. And he came in and he bought in himself because, as you said, we brought back Mercy Maston, and he ended up getting in, uh, injured earlier in the season as well. So uh, I got, I give a hundred percent of credit to, to Darby for coming in and basically doing the same thing that um, D. Alford and uh, Dietrich Nichols did. He might not have the stats or, um, you know, all the accolades that those guys have, but uh, for what he did for our defense and, um, you know, for our secondary, I mean, uh, he, he made just as much of an impact as uh, D. Alford and Dietrich. Hey, you know, as one of the leaders on the squad, uh, you know, and we, I think, in the media are, are guilty of this. You know, we focus a lot. You know, we're in a world of fantasy football and we're, we're in a world of highlights and we're watching the big plays and we talk about the touchdowns. We talk about the picks and, you know, the fumbles and the sacks. Special teams often gets overlooked. And in a game like Sunday's, especially with the wind that way it was, it was incredibly important. Interested in your perspective on well, certainly Sergio Castillo's monster game kicking the football. But I really did think that the uh, when it comes to special teams, the punt coverage teams in a game where field position was so important came up huge for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. From a defensive perspective, knowing what you might be facing when your offense is kicking into the wind, how important was uh, some of those foot soldiers that don't get a lot of the attention, plays they made on third down to minimize the damage when the team was given the ball back to the Ticats offense? Well... Special teams wins games like they they it's the field position. You know, if you have better field position for most of the game, you're likely to win that game. You know, um, and punt is like another defensive snap. You know, we're punting the ball to come down here to make a stop for our defense to come in to have better field position for our offense to come back on the field. You see how everything works out, you know, and um, you know, here me being in Winnipeg for for this time. Uh, special teams has been like the most important thing uh, for us to be, you know, that we abide by that our rules are we you come here and you 
you have to play special teams. You know, uh, they are very, they're just as important as offensive defense. If you're going to take a break on anything, you're going to take a break on defense or offense. You're not going to take a break on special teams because that's field position. That's what's important. It's the kicking game. You know, that's the things that get overlooked. So um, we didn't have a lot of, a lot of buzz. It was a lot of uh, returns, uh, big returns. And, um, you know, it was a lot of kicks uh, that were in our favor, you know, for that game. And uh, it's just been over, over time of work, you know, throughout the, uh, throughout the weeks throughout the the season of just working you know and uh you know again i appreciate those guys special teams is definitely like the most important because of the field position well and, and you know and we all know how um great this defense was start to finish um but it, it does seem i mean this is such a legendary game it goes to overtime and brandon i mean could there be a more appropriate way for your team <laughs> to win a championship than having three different players touch the football on a game ending season ending championship winning <laughs> walk-off pick oh uh, man i mean honestly i know any any competitor don't want to you know you, you want to win the game handily you know handily but you don't for those games it's, it, it feels different you know and to be able to come out uh victorious of those games just shows you know the the commitment it shows the you know the the drive it shows the adversity that we went through and everything and you still be able to prevail that you know anything that was uh, anything that was asked or anything that anybody had questions about has been answered now, you know, all those things, you know, and for it to end like that, you know, it just shows the the amount of grit and the amount of passion that a lot of these guys play with and just not, you know, that, that, that unwillingness to never give up, you know, just shows and tells so much about these guys in here, you know, so I would take it any other way, but a win is a win, and, you know, especially in that, that game right there. I, I'll take that for sure. Well, and, and you know what, listening to, you know, many of the players afterwards, they said they their belief in each other never wavered. They're confident that they were mm -hmm. going to win a game. Mike O'Shea said the same thing. I'm sure there were some fans that were pretty nervous at that time. But, um, you know, is that true? And, and I guess as part of that, how much did what you guys achieved as a team in 2019 help instill that level of belief that you were always going to end up coming out on top somehow? Well, it's just a process of building an organization, of building something that's been that's been laid down, of building a house, building a foundation. You know, it has nothing to do with 2019, although it has everything to do with 2019. It has everything to do with everything that was prior to that, 2018, 2017, the years that we weren't, quote unquote, good enough to to the outside world. You know, it was built before then. You know, 2019 was just a uh, one of those things of like, okay, we did it. Now can we do it again? You know, and 2021 was that that story, you know. So it's just been years and years and years on being built from from ground up, even before I got here in 2017. You know, uh these guys seen seen some dark ages again from 2019 before. It's been 29 years since, you know, we won Grey Cups. And then now, you know, this is our second year in a row winning one. So it's just a lot of time a lot of uh dedication a lot of willingness a lot of sacrifices that had to be made throughout the years for this time to be this time now well and, and you know i mean i don't know if there's a bigger a part of that culture um and building it up than head coach mike o'shea uh it seems to be a very unique relationship between coach and players um if you could brandon as one of the leaders i mean uh, take us in the room i mean explain to us that relationship between the coach and the team um and what he's done that's made him and your squad so successful with the second championship he oh man i, I mean coach o'shea he's like 
whatever that whatever that you need him to be in your life, that's what he's gonna be without him trying to be that person. You know, if that makes any sense. If you need him to be a brother to you, he's gonna be a brother. If you need him to be a father figure to you, he's gonna be a father figure to you. If you need him to be uh if you need him to be the janitor, he's gonna be the janitor. You know, if you need him to be anything like at that moment, he's gonna be that person without him stepping out his comfort zone or out his way to do that. You know, um, and he allows us to be us as people, you know, as men, as a family, and be able to bring all these different attributes together as one and be able to mandate it ourselves. It's more like a, you know, I, I don't, I, I really don't know how to explain it. I just know that like it's it's an unconditional uh, love that we have for for cultural shade and and we really appreciate like the what he's built here and what he started here um and the continuation of what it's going to be you know I, I i'm lost for words i don't really have like i don't even know what to say about him and how he's like brought this to this time you know he just allows us to be us and uh he allows everything to be mandated by the players and uh, we got a lot of good guys, a lot of uh, uh, great groups, a lot of good people in this locker room that make sure that everything is everything. And um, now we're really appreciative. And, uh, you know, I'm humbled by it. Well, and uh, and you know what? He uh, he and Kyle Walters did a pretty darn good job of picking some uh, some players that will go out and make plays and help them win games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the defense has been the story all season long. You've been one of the leaders. And, and I can tell you on our program and I think within the media, maybe the most difficult decision all season long was figuring out, I mean, who is the most outstanding defensive player on the Bombers? I mean, you literally could take, I mean, most of the guys on the defense and point out huge plays and see, I mean, most of them were all-stars. When you, is this the most special defense you've ever played on? And outside of the obvious talent of the players, what, was there something, a key to making you guys as successful as you were throughout the season and playoffs? Well, the, I, I, the reason why it's hard to like answer that question is because again, it's been years on built. You know, it's not like this team just like came together and it was like, all right, we're just gonna make it happen, and it just happened. You know, there's bits and pieces that's been moved in different areas. Some people left, some people stayed, some people been you know moved around, and um, you know, it's been built for, over time. So you know, to get to this point is, it's like you we we saw it, but we didn't really see it you know it was in the forefront and we were building to something like this and there's something else past this you know what i'm saying this this can't be like the end goal this can't be like the this is the finale that there's something past this that that's more so as a up to date like yeah this team is special in its own right in its own way because of you know the preparation the sacrifices what happened in 2020 with covid you know the the protocols that we had to go through through the 21 season you know and, and guys bought in and you know a lot of a lot of players out here literally just said we're just going to we're going to band together and we're going to do this we're going to do this as a family you know whatever happens happens you know and you know, these guys really, I, I've seen guys come in here at 6 o'clock, 6.30 in the morning. We don't have meetings till 9. You know, they're, we, they're getting their bodies right. They're coming in here, getting work done. Nobody's forcing them to come in here. You know, they're coming in here because they love the organization. They love how they feel here. They love the players around them. They see other guys doing things that they feel like is right. And so they follow suit. They follow those things. And now you see more and more guys show up to the meetings early, early. You see more and more guys getting into the weight room a little bit earlier. You see more and more guys taking care of their bodies a little bit better because they want to be better for the person next to them. 
has nothing to do with football, X's and O's and everything. It has everything to do with how much do you care about the man next to you. And this team really cares so much about each other. And that's the difference between this team and a lot of other teams that I've I've been a part of is like, we are, this is a real family. Like I can see down the line, 20, 30 years, like you can call anybody on this team. They're going to pick up and see, hey, how are you doing champ? How are you doing champ? And that's, that's really what matters. Well, it, it's a, it's a special team and it's obviously a very special relationship between your club, uh, you know, and your teammates. I'll go one step further and say from someone that's followed sports in my hometown for my entire life, it is the most special connection and relationship between a team and a fan base that I've ever seen. And, you know, I got to give a huge credit to the Bomber content people for cranking out what they did from the Grey Cup. Andrew Harris and yourself narrated that video before the Grey <laughs> Cup. I mean, I, dude, people, fans were ready to run through a brick wall when, when they read that. But, I mean, you talked about doing it for Winnipeg. You talked about doing it for Manitoba. Um, mm -hmm. And we see it. I mean, I was in Calgary. I'll never forget the connection mm -hmm. after the win with the fans being there. We saw it again in Hamilton on the week. Um how would you describe that? I mean, playing for the city and the fans and the energy that you get from the support um, that I don't know if has ever been on display better than in that West final with everyone freezing their ass off for four hours in some pretty crazy conditions, but no one leaving that stadium until the job was done. Well, even in the Grey Cup, like you see, you can see the blue colors in the stands and it's a good amount of them. It's not like it's 20, you know, 15. It's, it may be a hundred of them in here. You know, it might be a, a little bit more than that. You can see the blue there and you can hear them as well. You can hear them. Like, you know, uh, one of my favorite things to to do is like when, when the anthem is being played and I can hear in, 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 in certain parts of the crowd roaring for a second and then they'll go quiet again and then they'll, they'll say something for a second and go quiet again. I love those parts. So when we go to away games, I look for those parts and I hear them every single time in those parts. I say, yep, they're here. They're here. Are the fans here? They traveled. They came. Okay, cool. Let's make this our home. You know? And um, it's really appreciative that they'll come out. It don't matter if it's raining outside. It doesn't matter how cold it is outside. It doesn't matter none of that stuff. They're going to be out there. They're going to be cheering. You're going to hear them. They're going to make sure that you hear them, you know, and they're going to be here. You know, they've, they've been waiting for a time like this for a very, very long time, even before even before I came, before uh, Coach O's, even before a lot of other people. And, you know, again, we're just appreciative of being able to be in a, in a time like this, of living in the moment of putting in so much preparation into a work like this, you know, and, and we do it for the fans as well. Like, without the fans, there's no – it's no point of going out there and we can't, you know, hear y'all or or feed off the energy. The energy is what's electrifying, you know, and it's the best fans in the CFL. It's the best fans. It's like it's the loudest fans. It's the best stadium. Where else do you want to play at? Where else do you want to be at? Like it's Winnipeg or nothing. Like where else do you want to be? <laughs> well, people are going to want to be at IG Field tonight. A little different than 2019 with that wild parade that ended up at the Forks. Tonight, it's going to be on at IG Field, 6 o'clock, yeah. doors open at 5, yeah. free free parking, <laughs> get out there. Um, I mean, I, I, I know you guys have had some fun over the last 48 hours, but, uh, you know, considering that relationship with the fans, how much are you and your teammates looking forward yeah. to uh, rolling out that great cup again at the stadium and uh, having a little fun tonight with the people yeah. who have supported you guys all season long? Get the crowd, get to hear the crowd one more time for the season roar again. You know, get to hear it like it's another game. You know, and uh, 
again, like they're, it's going to be filled. Like again, we're gonna uh, we appreciate everything. Like we appreciate the the time being put. The what what the workers, what everybody had to do for this to happen, you know, uh, for the season to happen, even for like they had the stadium field, you know, you had to go through a lot of different things. And, um, you know, people just, they, 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 I, I don't know. It's just the, the, the Manitoba as a whole, like it's just, it's different. It's definitely different. You know, it's like you have to come here and feel what I feel in order to understand what I'm talking about, you know, and uh, I can't wait for tonight to be out there, go out there and run one more time and, and hear that crowd roar. You know what, B.A., I'm just looking in chat. I think you may have coined a new phrase for us. We may have to make some hoodies. Doug Phil saying, we need an It's Winnipeg or Nothing hoodie. We'll put that <laughs> up together. <laughs> quoted by Brandon Alexander following another Great Cup championship. Hey, uh, once the party's over, I mean, you'll still continue hanging out with your friends. Uh, fill us in on uh, what's next for you, how long you're sticking around the city. You want to stay a little longer because how much fun you guys are having right now? And uh, what does the offseason hold for you? Uh, well, uh, as of right now, uh, I'm definitely will be spending spending uh, Christmas and uh, and New Year's here. So I'll be here for a little bit, you know, uh, and then we'll go from there. I even maybe stand during the off season uh, uh, for sure. So, you know, uh, for me, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. You know, a Florida boy coming uh, coming to Winnipeg and and staying up there. That's a, that's two different climates, <laughs> two different <laughs> weathers. But you know. Uh, I really enjoy. I really enjoy being here. I, I feel like home. I feel like I'm at home. I feel like I'm. I'm supposed to be here, you know. Um, so as of right now, at least through at least through January first, I'm here. Yeah, no, no, no one will. No one will give you any uh, brain damage for maybe taking off for a little while in the middle of winter. <laughs> I mean, I'm <laughs> definitely gonna go back home and touch Florida just a little bit when it get cold. You know, a little bit too cold. But then I'll, I'll be back. I'll be back. You know what? And and you're not the only one either. I mean, we know Adam Big Hill's making a uh, home year round. We heard Willie Jay's thinking about standing. Uh, you know, staying here year round with his family. And that's not something we'd seen. You know, in the past, maybe back in the day a little bit more. But um, and I think this just goes to the connection of the players yeah. with what you guys have done for the city with this city, and uh, I think it speaks a lot for Winnipeg itself, but the organization that you know individuals like yourselves are going to decide to uh, to stay here throughout a good portion of the off season and uh, look forward to trying to get that three peat next season. Yeah, that that would be that would be wonderful. That would, but like you know, uh, yeah, for sure. I'm, 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 I'm excited. I appreciate, uh, the fans. I appreciate, uh, the community for being able to, to accept me for who I am and accept the players in here, you know, and, uh, it, again, you make it feel like home and I, this is, this is definitely like home for me, you know, um, you know, I'm enjoying my time and my stay up here and, uh, you know, I'm just going to enjoy the moment and be, be in the moment with my guys. Well, you guys earned it, and I'll tell you what, especially if you're sticking around for part of the winter, we'll have to uh, we'll have to get you live in studio at some point, set up, and uh, maybe you and some of the other guys get down and do this in person sometime. But uh, tell you what, it's going to be a fun, fun night. You guys have earned it. The city's ready for it. Cannot wait to see that Grey Cup back in Winnipeg tomorrow with the champs who did yes, it back-to-back -back in Grey Cup 108. Brandon, thanks so much for the time. You're the best, and uh, enjoy the tonight. You guys earned it. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. There it is. The one and only Brandon Alexander, one of the stars of the Blue Bomber defense uh, that um, well dominated teams all season long and finished it up, running it back in a pretty thrilling fashion on Sunday night. We will talk more Jets. Ken Weeb's coming up in just a few minutes. Um, a big thanks to our friends over at Manitoba Battery. I know we had a couple listeners pop in, I believe, Monday 
to see Donnie and the Godfather and the guys because, uh, well, they spent the week getting weekend getting boosted. If you'd like to avoid that part of the Winnipeg winter, make sure you've got a running battery that's ready to go. And if you need a new one, get the best price in town over from Donnie and the gang at Manitoba Battery. Just $89.50 with Core Exchange. Don't waste your time going to Costco, waiting in those lines, those crazy parking lots. And they can even deliver it to you citywide as well. $104.95 and with a $15 rebate on the core exchange when you do bring it back. Uh, they're over at 1026 Logan. You can give them a call. They'll help you with all your needs over the phone at 783-8787 or hit them up online at manitobabattery.com. Of course, snowmobile season is here as well. Pretty much batteries for all makes and models of sleds, usually running in between $65 to $75. So give them a buzz or hit them up online and they will be able to help you make that happen. Uh, we just had a great chat with Brandon Alexander. The champs are here. They're being celebrated. And I do believe this afternoon, the uh, shipment of bomber championship gear is showing up at Royal sports. We'll definitely have to show it off on the program, hopefully tomorrow. Uh, but when it comes to a bomber gear, jets gear, any sort of licensed merchandise, Royal sports is always the only place that you need to go. Not to mention a pretty great time to uh, get all your holiday shopping done as well. I have a feeling those will be hot sellers as the Bombers have gone back-to-back. -back. Saw a couple of the mock-ups of the, uh, the, the products that are coming in for the Bombers Championship last night. They are unreal. So uh, get on down to Royal Sports, take care of your Christmas shopping, and tell them that the boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. And of course, our friends at Not Autocorp. If you're thinking about a vehicle, eh, sometimes it's tough to get a vehicle under the tree but it definitely makes a great gift. But before you do anything when it comes to a new vehicle, check out our friends over at Not Autocorp. Why not get into the car of your dreams at an incredible price with the help of the Not team? See everything they've got going on over at Waverly and McGilvery. Of course, the new Winnipeg Car Lab is there as well. Uh, Not.ca for all the information online or pop down and see Trevor and his great staff over at Waverly and McGilvery. And, uh, oh, God, look at Milt Stiegel looking so darn good in this ad. If you haven't seen the, uh, <laughs> you have not seen the showroom, uh, and people on YouTube are seeing it right now, uh, it definitely needs to be seen to be believed. We'll look forward to doing a show at not at some point this year. Uh, very much looking forward to that. All right, let's get Remus back in here. We will get back to the Jets in a little bit when Ken Weeb joins us. Uh, Remo, what a great chat with Brandon Alexander. Uh, I, I wasn't joking when I said I was ready to run through a wall after watching that video voiced by he and Andrew Harris going in. Uh, but man, he was a phenomenal interview and uh, man, did he have a great season uh, ending up with a, another ring and a big party tonight in South Winnipeg. Yeah, it was awesome. Awesome to hear a guy from Orlando, Florida would come and spend his Christmas and New Year's in Winnipeg. I mean, you hear the same thing from all the guys there. You love each other as a team. They love playing for the head coach. Um, I mean, it's incredible what's what's being built. And we talked John Rush. You talked about the number of players um, moving here. I mean, you mentioned Big Hill, Willie Jefferson, and now now. Uh, oh my God! This sorry, I'm I'm just getting rid of this troll in the chat. Hold oh, on. Oh, somebody! Uh, we, we've got a live a live elimination Royal yeah, Rumble style over it's the done. top rope. It's done. I I can't handle <laughs> people coming in the chat and just and just giving rumors and stuff so uh that's a live elimination sorry to derail my thought but yeah i mean willie jefferson planning on moving uh to winnipeg or possibly contemplating brandon alexander says you know he might be here even longer so i know there's a lot of free agents but it seems like guys loving playing uh playing for the coach playing it's for winnipeg the or nothing yeah brandon he, he just said it um 
know, that, it, you know, that is one of the things that, you know, with the way that, you know, Wade Miller, Kyle Walters, Mike O'Shea have built this organization, the buy-in from the players and the commitment to the right players, I think that helped form that culture. Um, I mean, it's now to the point where, I mean, listen, they got the job done. They won a championship 2019. They've now won another one. But you just nailed it, Remus. I mean, the connection that these guys have with this city and the fact that they are choosing to stay here year round. I mean, he is from Orlando. He's going to be spending most of his winter mm -hmm. here in Winnipeg. That just doesn't compute. And frankly, that's not something you see almost anywhere else in the Canadian Football League. Uh, very rarely happens in the National Hockey League with the guys that we're playing. And I think that just speaks to the real unique relationship between this club and this city that only gets better with every subsequent win and championship they put together. Yes, yes. I, I you know, I, I've got to be honest. Like, I'm having a trouble following what you just said. I'm just everyone's congratulating me in the chat for throwing someone over the top, <laughs> the top rope. Big, big Hogan leg drop. Tina, but I mean, yeah, Tina I mean, this, got whacked. I, I mean, this is it. I mean, it's an incredible, been an incredible team. I mean, we've seen this last two years, and I mean, back to back championships. I'm looking forward to uh, you know to the celebration tonight. I'm curious what's it gonna, what it's going to be. I know I see a lot of people on Twitter has you know, like Strevy, we need you, we need you back here, we need you. We don't need. Like he's not on the team this year. Let's someone else will step we up. We might need him tonight. We might yeah. need him tonight for yeah. the party. Well, I don't the, think there's <laughs> there's yeah. any doubt about that. A party's but, always better with the little streveler involved. But course, yeah, you're right. Someone um, else will step up and be and be the streveler of the this year's parade. I'm sure. So, I don't know if we'll have a fur coat, shirtless, like pouting beers. You know what? You know, while yeah. we have a second before Ken joins us, let's talk yeah. about that for a minute. I mean, who should we be looking at? Who are the who are the most likely individuals to take the torch from Chris Strevler and Lucky Whitehead, who were the MVPs of last year's uh, of last year's parade? I wouldn't be surprised if the O linemen, particularly like a Patty Newfeld, Michael Couture, those guys. I think those guys are going to bring it. And as far as the defense goes, um, going to be interesting. I think Winston Rose has a lot of swag. Um, maybe Dietrich Nichols and Alford going together. That group. But um, I'm not sure. Suggestions in the chat of who you expect yeah. to be the MVP of tonight's Blue Bomber Grey Cup celebration at IG Field. Who who who's got, who are you betting on, Reem? Well, I want to know: Is Willie J's cell phone going to be like brought out and shown on the jumbotron? <laughs> I think that's for sure happening. Uh, and a good question from Travis here: How many how many uh, fur coats are people going to see? I mean, I was even at the West <laughs> Final. And people, I saw guys shirtless and fur coats. I think you have to be absolutely insane uh, to do that. But uh, I'm exciting. Uh, I'm I'm exciting. Sorry, I'm excited to see uh, what this is like because we had the parade. I think this is going to be a bit different, you know, in the stadium. But I'm curious how many people are going to show up and what it's going to be like on stage. So I'm, you know, I I didn't get to experience the last one. I watched it on, on the stream. I I had to be home, but. Um, I think this is definitely a, an exciting time, and I love seeing, I mean, the Grey Cup, what an incredible uh, trophy. Uh, has. I mean, so much better than, it's funny, you know, the Grey Cup and the Stanley Cup just dwarf the uh, Commissioner's Trophy in Major League Baseball and the Vince Lombardi, these, like, little puny things. Like, you need a big thing that yeah, you could drink the out baseball of. Baseball has by far the worst trophy. Oh, There's it's, no doubt it's about delicate that. thing? Yeah, it's terrible. I mean, the World Cup trophy is about the size of my phone. Yeah. That Yoke. doesn't there isn't really count. And I mean the Super Bowl trophy is cool. It looks good, but 
you can't drink out of it for one thing and mm -hmm. it's dwarfed again by the gray cup and the stanley cup i uh, i will say this i think that the cfl and the nhl by far have the best trophies and it's really not even close no not not close and uh you need a if you're gonna make a trophy i think it's pretty clear it has to be able to be drink out of and uh, i'm sure we'll be seeing tons of drinking out of the uh gray cup at the evening tonight yeah, no doubt. Somebody suggesting that Sergio Castillo better show up in the uh, in his luchador mask. I I would bet that that's better than fifty fifty that we see the lucha mask, lucha libra kicker Sergio Castillo, uh, who could have absolutely been the most outstanding player in the game. Mm. And he uh, he's done some really really neat uh, social media posts over the last couple of days. Uh, just how thankful he is to be here to be part of a championship team. Some great pictures of he and his family from Hamilton. Um, and he's another guy, Rumus, that, you know, when you think about Winston Rose and Sergio Castillo and how impactful they were in that Grey Cup game, and Rose, you know, with a couple of tackles, like Brandon just mentioned, you know, on that third and one, and of course, Castillo going in, for a team that was so good all season long, I mean, there's a lot of credit that needs to go to Kyle Walters for being able to get Rose back in the mix, um, but especially finding the best possible kicker out on the market, a guy that had a 91% success rate in 2019 to join the club and be that missing link. Oh, there it is. Lucha kicker, yeah. Campiones, Grey <laughs> Cup 108 for the W. You said, uh, you know, Sergio Castillo in a luchador mask. I was like getting worried we were getting close to some kind of stereotyping here, but then... I did go on his Twitter, and yes, there he is. So uh, he's people. literally wearing. I mean, he yeah, loves he, it. He's that's yeah. that's his thing. Uh, there, there. I mean, that's a pretty sweet. Looks like it reminds you of the Patriot, uh, the wrestler from <laughs> mid nineties. WWF with that mask. Oh. Uh, so, uh, and people are asking. Um, we get a lot of comments here. Will we be live stream? We're not going to be live stream. It's, um, Darren Cameron told me it was going to be on CTV streamed. I believe they had a last year. I watch it, you know, cast it to my TV. But we'll be taking videos. It's going to be on our um, social medias. Follow us on Instagram. We'll have stuff on, on our story. Um, you know, we got some, we got, we'll have videos. And hopefully we can play some stuff. Uh, we'll be able to get some content we can play tomorrow or post on, on our YouTube channel. So I would say, yeah, follow us on all the social medias. Subscribe to the YouTube. Um, and we will, we'll see. Hopefully uh, we get some good stuff. Yeah, well, listen, we'll do that. But listen, don't wait to watch it at home. Get down there. I mean, it's back-to-back -back championships. It's the celebration. I mean, if there's one thing uh, that this team, I think, has earned, it is a great crowd and audience for the celebration tonight. So uh, if you're a new fan, if you haven't been to games, you know, get down there. Be a part of it. I think it'll be something that everyone will want to be and will always remember uh, being part of this very special season and this very special team as we talked about it with Brandon Alexander just a little bit earlier. Um, now, I guess, is Ken running a bit late, Remo? Uh, I guess oh, he was down at uh, practice today. What's, the, what's yeah, the word on let me Weber? Text, let me text him and get an update. If you want to go over... Um, oh, he's, well, oh, he, oh, he just texted me. He needs two minutes here. Okay, perfect, perfect. Well, listen, yeah. just before we get to Ken, uh, and we'll get back uh, focusing on the Winnipeg Jets, uh, the majority of the Calgary Flames roster is now in COVID protocol. Saturday's game has been postponed. Yes. Uh, there are another a, a big number of NHLers going on the list today. Good news is no additional positive test amongst the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, but Patrice Bergeron amongst 16 NHLers to enter COVID protocol today. Just run down a list of some of these names that you might need to get out of your fantasy lineup if you can. Um, Patrice Bergeron, 
from Boston, Robbie Fadry and Michael Rasmussen in Detroit. Uh, seven more Calgary Flames. Uh, Craig Smith was with Brad Marchand going in yesterday. Um, so, I mean, it's just an absolute mess right now. And I was sort of joking about the uh, earlier today. If only they said that fans couldn't have gone to the game last night, it would have saved us a little bit. But um, in all sincerity and seriousness, um, I'm very nervous uh, uh, about changes like that. You know, first of all, missing games right now with the league's not going to go well. We've already spent quite a bit of time talking about what this might mean for the Olympics coming up or uh, lack of, you know, NHL participation. Um, but overall, very concerning times right now. Um, although with everyone being vaccinated, I don't think the outcomes are going to be serious. But if we're speaking about the actual effect on the NHL season and potential NHL participation, certainly, certainly an, uh, an issue going forward. All right. Um, we're going to get um, Weaver in here in just a minute. I saw DQ Nick in the uh, in, in the chat. Happy holidays from uh, to our friends at the Nick and Nicky DQ group. Uh, they've got a couple things coming up for the holidays. Head on over to their Instagram at DQ Manitoba to check out their amazing 12 days of Christmas giveaways with some awesome prizes. And right now, here's a great deal for your holiday. And this doesn't necessarily even need to be for holiday entertaining. This could just be for holiday personal consumption. Uh, but now, from now until Christmas, all box novelties like Dilly Bars, ice cream sandwiches, and my personal favorite, the Buster Bars, are buy one box, get the second for 99 cents. A great deal to stock the freezers for the holidays. Check them out at the four Nick and Nicky DQ locations, the uh, DQ in Neverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and, uh, of course, DQ St. Anne's, which is now open year-round and available for ordering on Skip the Dishes and on Uber Eats. Um, oh, Rima, the other thing that we need to do actually, before we get to Ken, uh, is remind everybody about, uh, we've got a contest, and we've got some great tickets to give away to the game on uh, Friday between the Jets and Alexander Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals, some prime row eight, 117 seats from our friends at Canadian Club. Um, get on here for a minute. Let's uh, tell people uh, how they can order, uh, get in on this, because we did want to make sure we uh, had it available for podcast listeners to, as well, um, while we normally do the, the uh, marble races live for everyone that's with us on Fridays. Yeah, I'm trying something new here. we got this new thing on our website uh, that lets us run contests, because I know a lot of people listen to us on the podcast and may not be able to get in, and you know, it's saying... Saying, hey, just send us an email. Not that efficient. So go to winnipegsportstalk.com slash contest. Or if you can't, you know, type that in, type winnipegsportstalk.com. At the top bar, there's an icon contest. Scroll down. We are giving away tickets to the game. You can enter with your email. But if you want additional entries, there's a couple things you can do to follow us on other, other social medias. And I'll give you other entries. So I mean, if you want to just get in, just give your email. But if you want to, we got a new newsletter we're starting up. Uh, you can sign up for that and then join all our other social media. So if you want to get in on this contest and be entered to win a pair of hockey tickets, winnipegsportstalk.com slash contest, or go to our website and uh, click contest at the top. And you got until 1 p.m. tomorrow, and then it'll shut down, and then we will select a winner so yeah we'll uh, announce the winner on tomorrow's show so mm -hmm. get over there winnipegsportstalk.com click on contest enter sign up for the newsletter and uh, we'll have some great tickets and i can pretty much guarantee that the game on friday 
This should be a lot better than last night's game. <laughs> we'll, take, we'll take that one to the bank. Uh, so there you go. Our friends at Canadian Club helping us out. We'll uh, have some other great contests, uh, great prizes from Canadian Club as we get into the new year. Potentially some Grey Cup Championship merchandise. Let's just say we're working on it right now. But yeah, get out there, enter in the contest. We'll announce the winner tomorrow for some prime seats, P1s for the Jets and Capitals on Friday night. All right, let's head out to the rink. Our good friend, one Ken Weeb, uh, had a late shift last night <laughs> on the uh, Kenny and Rennie show and uh, actually probably has some interesting stuff for us from practice today. Weber, what uh, what's going on? How are things? You're still at the rink. Uh, yes, indeed. Hustle's a uh, little bit of uh, you know later practice day today. Uh, didn't uh, didn't go for the Superman changeover to get home here. Going to try to uh, try to just nail it down from the arena here, but uh, not to alarm anyone. I'm the only one here in the press room, so I'm 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 in a safe place. But I'll get my mask on immediately when I'm done with this episode. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, okay, listen, we'll get to today's practice because there was a lot coming out of it. Interested to hear what Coach Paul Maurice had to say. Uh, but let's talk about last night's game. And I know you went through it quite extensively with Sean Reynolds. There was a lot of feedback from Jets fans, none of it very positive. Um, what did you make of that uh, dud last night on home ice? Yeah, Huss, it was the, uh, you know, quite conceivably, no, not quite conceivably, it was the worst game of the year the Jets have played. So. Uh, not a lot of redeeming qualities. Uh, I think it was another night where uh, they had, you know, shots on goal, but not enough uh, grade A quality chances. And the quality chances that they did have were, you know, shot into the uh, pads or into the goalie's chest or things of that nature. So Jets were not fast enough, not even close. Uh, their special teams once again let them down. And uh, on a on a day where we had heard leading into the game about how refreshed they were and how it was time for all the leaders to step up and fill in with the absence of Blake Wheeler, the Jets didn't have enough. They had far too many passengers in the game. So, uh, that you know, if it's just a one-off, that's okay because that happens over the course of an 82-game season, whether people like it or not. But this effort was not at a high enough level for a team that is supposed to be considered as a contender. So... Uh, that is a concern. Um, it's happened against teams that were below them in the standings. I mean, we don't have to relive the entire uh, the entirety of those moments, but you know, bad losses to the Arizona Coyotes and now the Buffalo Sabers, uh, one of a possible four points against Vancouver, and a shutout loss to the New York Islanders, who we know have been a quality team but have struggled this year. So, uh, for me, I understand why you know the, the head coach doesn't want to call it a a theme or a concern, but uh, this is a group that needs to be better in those games that they need to win against teams that are below them in the standings, especially when you are below the playoff line. You know, speaking of the coach, um, you know, we played a little bit of his uh, presser afterwards. He did not have a lot of time for the media, did not really want to be there. And I guess I don't really blame him. I'm not a guy that, um, you know, buries his players, but it was obvious he was very, very frustrated. Um, and I guess he should have been. Everyone was frustrated, I think, walking out of that building last night. Um, how much is this on the coaching staff, in your uh, opinion? You know, for you know, it's one thing to have a game where you don't show up playing well, but considering this has happened over and over again, and Ken, we all know how important every one of these points is. When you look at the parity and how tight things are in the Central Division, I mean, I hope that we're not talking about these games in April as the ones that got away um, that could really harm the club. But, um, you know, last week, Maurice, after the Arizona game, sort of put it on himself, or after the Carolina game, sort of put it on himself for not having his team ready to play. I don't think they were any more ready last night, um, but I think that was maybe more covering for the team last week that didn't really happen last night. Where are you at on all that? 
Yeah, I mean, the coach has responsibility for sure. And, you know, he, you can take it right out of page 11 of the coach's playbook, uh, the falling on the sword, uh, which, I mean, it, it's fine to do. And it's his job at times to pr- provide cover. But, I mean, there was no cover to be provided. The Jets had a – this was not a schedule loss. They had lots of time to get ready. Uh, they were flat coming out of the you know break. Uh, they had no legs. Uh, part of that is on the coaching staff, sure. But to me, it's – you know, Nate Schmidt yeah, you know, captured it best. I mean, the players needed to be ready. I mean, no coach says, you know what I'd like you to do today, Huss? I'd like to you to give me about 15 to 20 minutes of solid skating. Let's just let the rest of the 40 kind of fall where it may. And, and here's my other issue with, with, I mean, I understand fans are frustrated and for good reason. But there's no system or structure where the coach says to two defensemen, you know what you should do? Leave the guy open in front of the net. <laughs> so that he can have a chance all by his lonesome. And I'm not blaming both defensemen on that play. They share their responsibility on that goal. But part of the problem was Christian Veselainen got caught on an extended shift. His line mates changed. Christian Veselainen's a right winger. His responsibility is not the man left all alone in front, but because of the disjointed line change and because he couldn't get off, he was the straight-legged player that Paul Maurice referenced not by name, but by position and that's what happened on that play but um but back to my original point is i mean people want to say it's the structure in the system no coach says leave a guy open in front of the net no that's not part of any system that that's a mental breakdown and a lapse in defensive judgment those things happen when the game is quick but i mean i don't blame the coach for a couple players demand or you know uh deflecting Mm -hmm. responsibility or trying to make up for someone else who has missed an assignment. But, uh, I mean, hey, coaches are part of the process. I mean, coaches deserve credit when things are going well. They deserve a portion of the blame when things are going poorly. Same for the players. But to me, this is not a, you know, you're pointing at one thing and saying, fix this and the problem is solved. But there needs to be some solutions. And, Huss, I know I know you read the column. I mean, one of my biggest issues yesterday is that in the game where Pierre-Luc Dubois and Nikolai Ehlers were the best two players on the ice for the Jets, Mark Scheifele had 25 minutes and change. Pierre-Luc Dubois had 19.03. We've talked about this before, and this is not a you know indictment on Mark Scheifele. He's played first-line minutes for an awfully long time and deserved first-line minutes, but there can't be a six-minute disparity in the ice time when the other guy is playing better than the first line center. So why is that? I mean, is that just, I mean, I have joked for the last couple of years that the Jets have been sort of a union shop. And uh, you know what? He's been there. He's got the seniority. and he's rolling out there. Right. Sometimes, Ken, it still seems that way. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. Dubois was the best player on the ice last night. He was the one that was generating things. And in, you know, the second half of the hockey game, um, you know, Chifley was out there a ton and at many times had those straight legs that Paul Maurice was talking about in angry tones after the hockey game. Right. And that's the thing for me. We also can't forget, Huss. I mean, on Friday night, the line that Mark Shifley centered was the only line going for the Winnipeg Jets. So part of that explanation is that Paul Maurice, in a night when not many guys are going, is hoping that the guy who was so great on Friday night is going to somehow find that level in a game where it was still basically a one-shot game for a, for a decent chunk of the game. But the problem with that is that if you get Mark Shifley at 23 minutes and maybe Dubois at 21, both players benefit. 
because Shifley's not having to conserve energy out there. And Dubois obviously has more to give when he's going at that level. So, I mean, beforehand, you could look and say, oh, well, maybe Dubois is on the other power play unit. But these guys are on the same unit together. And maybe Shifley stays on a little bit longer, but it's not a power play issue. And yes, Mark Shifley did have a penalty-killing shift late when the Jets were chasing the game. But uh, to me, that that was just a misappropriation, not of funds, but of ice time uh, in that scenario. And it's something that uh, there are two. And then Sean and I kind of debated this. And I was okay with Paul Maurice splitting up Ehlers and Dubois because you're trying to get more than two guys going. But I think... What about keeping Ehlers and Dubois together and putting Connor with them in that situation? Then you have two guys that are going, plus the guy who's scoring the most for their team this year. Uh, instead, he tried to, you know, get, I don't know, part of that was trying to get Andrew Kopp off the right side where Omri said he was not as comfortable. But um, yeah, it was one of those interesting things. And I mean, the blender is back out today. And I mean, we can segue right into that, Huss. And um, some folks that have been uh, expressing their. Uh, displeasure will be happy today by some of the moves uh, that came through the uh, the 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 spin cycle of the line blender. Well, I mean, let's get to that. Um, but it was interesting seeing your reports and Billick, who were down at practice today, saying uh, you know Svechnikov is back. I mean, a big bump from essentially the fourth line back to the first line. Um, you sort of back to where we started. Um, what was this uh, right before the Edmonton series? Uh, when things changed up and they uh, swapped Blake Wheeler with Svechnikov. Um, and, and, you know, we've seen a lot of Ehlers with Dubois lately. It looks like it's back Connor. Just give us a little rundown on what you saw today in practice and the way lines were set up. Yeah, I mean, Svechnikov gets a nice bump. I mean, he was very heavily involved on the first goal by the Jets, even though he didn't, was not credited with an assist. Uh, he made the play to force the turnover that got to Josh Morrissey's stick and eventually to Dubois. So he made a nice play there. Um, and, he, you know, he's been disruptive on the forecheck, which should help that line. But, I mean, on the second Darlene, Darlene goal, he, it wasn't of the same magnitude of the Jansen-Harkins uh, play at the blue line, but he, he kind of didn't get to the lane, and that created the shot lane. But, again, that's not a – I'm not pointing fingers at Spechnikov. I mean, he's been a guy who's given you everything that he's had, no matter what role he's been in. So I think familiarity is a word that I would use. Paul Maurice – said balance was something that he was looking for in making this uh, change. And obviously the other big move is uh, Andrew Kopp moving back onto the checking line with Adam Lowry and Dominic Toninato getting the bump. And that will make that a pure shutdown line. That's not to say that they can't score. We know that Kopp and Lowry have both been double-digit goal scorers. So there can be some offense. But I'm expecting that line to get a heavy dose of Alex Ovechkin on Friday night. Yes, there will be some best-on-best best probably with the Dubois line uh, as well, but I'm expecting that line to get a heavy dose of that and maybe a heavy dose of Ryan O'Reilly uh, if he's back in time for Sunday's game against the Blues. But uh, So that's where that move is going. Uh, Ehlers and Shifley, I know that's something that we wanted to see a little bit more of. We saw it for a stretch. There were some uh, fireworks at times, but there wasn't as much consistency from that line as we would have expected. But this is the thing, Huss. We've talked about this a lot, whether it's been on this show or when you've been kind enough to join me uh, for the uh, late night after hours editions hmm. of the Kenny and Rennie show. But far too many nights, the Jets have only had one line going. And for a team that has a lot of depth on paper, there have not been enough nights where they've had two or three or even four of those lines going. And when you're a one-line hockey team, you're a lot easier to shut down. Just ask the Edmonton Oilers. Look what's happened to them 
and again, this just uh, this is just goes to show the entirety of the course of events. It wasn't that long ago we were looking at the Edmonton Oilers and Winnipeg Jets as two of the best teams in the Western Conference. Well, right now the Oilers are eighth with a one-point lead over the Jets, and they're also struggling pretty mightily. So that that goes back to the nothing is permanent, but it's also a reminder that the Jets can't really afford another long losing streak. No, and else- you know what? And you're not going to break it if you show up for work, um, as you mentioned, and Paul Maurice mentioned, playing 15 or 20 minutes yeah. of a 60-minute game. Um, I, I want to talk about the bottom six, but just first, with the way that you know the lines are laid out, who is the number one line for the Winnipeg Jets, <laughs> and, and who should be Ken? Yeah, I mean, are, a, are those different? So, I mean, to me, it's almost a it's a co-share situation, and then you can make everybody happy because based on what? No, no, the, the, hear me out here. So, the folks that have wanted Nikolai Ehlers to get first line minutes, if he's with Mark Shifley, his minutes are going to be on the rise. So. You can make the case for that, but you also make the case when you have Pierre-Luc Dubois playing at the level he's playing at, and you have Kyle Connor, the leading goal scorer and point getter on his flank, that they would you know, deserve to have the largest number of minutes. But the biggest thing, too, is that they need to have the, those minutes distributed a little bit more equally. I don't care what you call them, A or B, or if you want to call them one and two, the most important thing for the Jets, they need to have those minutes closer to equal, and they need those guys going at the same time so that it's not a hard choice for Paul Maurice about who to toss over the boards because you got both those lines going. Then it becomes way more difficult for the opponent to try to match up because those are two highly skilled lines with ample finishing ability on both of them. And now, too, we've talked about it all year long, too, about the third line, Huss. And I mean, Adam Lowry was quite forthcoming yesterday. That, that third line needs to get going a little bit more offensively. But the other part, too, is, I mean, Sean Reynolds has called them the kind of that blunt instrument that, they, you know, they, they've, that they've taken it to their opponents and imposed their will. Uh, this year, because of the composition being a lot different with that third line, it, it seems to not be lacking in a role, but it's not as clearly defined. And now that you have Cop and Lowry together, that – you know, that definition of the role is much more clearly defined. And the Jets need that right now, especially at a time where now we expect the, you know, the other thing coming out of practice today, as soon as that next test comes in negative, the Jets will be calling up that 12 forward. And we would imagine that sound that you hear is what Remus has had on the file uh, for for a bit of time. Up. Here. Yeah, get get that get that sound and that siren going, Remus, because I think the the uh, the Gus bus is about to be uh, taken out of neutral or park or wherever it's been in storage. called up and gets added into the lineup certainly hopefully that you know he can make a difference on uh, the penalty kill for sure um you know as well as in the face-off circle and do the things that he's been doing so well for the winnipeg jets um and i think that he might be able to add even a little bit of pop offensively to that fourth line but the third line is key and you mentioned i mean they haven't been getting anything out of that line and even with paul stastny on it for a considerable amount of time um, I'm all in on uh, putting Lowry and Cop back together. And I know that Cop probably was really enjoying playing in that top six. And you would think that maybe there's even more of an opportunity with Blake Wheeler being out for a significant amount of time. But to your point, and I think the coach's point, when we saw what the lines were today, they need more from that line. And, 
you've got a pretty tried and true twosome of Cop and Lowry who've done a lot of things well together. Um, and I'll tell you what, I think Dominic Toninato has absolutely earned the opportunity to audition with those guys with a new look third line. Yeah, for sure, Hassan. I mean, the biggest thing, you have to applaud Andrew Kopp for the way that he handled today. Um, you know, when it was suggested, you know, do you view this as a demotion? I mean, in ice time, it might be a bit of a demotion, but because Kopp plays both special teams, he's still going to be around that 18 to 20 minute mark that we normally see him at. And the other part too, I mean, Andrew Kopp, understands his situation better than anyone. We know it's a contract year for him, but he also was quick to point out that he doesn't see playing with Adam Lowry as a demotion of any kind. This is a guy that helped bring him into the league, and they're still one of the better penalty-killing twosomes, even though the Jets have had struggles overall in the unit. So, I mean, he handled that incredibly well. You know, privately, is he a little bit disappointed to be being bumped out of the top six, even if momentarily? Of course he would be. But guess what? He's going to use that as fuel rather than a reason to, uh, you know, not be happy about a situation. And, Hus, we know this also. The best way to get yourself back into the top six is to start producing the way that you were at the start of the year, and that's the way that Andrew Kopp will handle the situation. The other part, too, that we should remember Andrew Kopp has been struggling to put goals in the net during this last stretch. When you take some of the pressure off, maybe he can just get back to playing the game, uh, being playing a simple game, playing a straight line game. And that's not, he can play with skilled players. He's shown that before, but you know, this is a comfort zone for him. That familiarity that I mentioned earlier should help Andrew Kopp take a bit of pressure off. And it wouldn't surprise me in the least if he gets his offensive game going went back with Adam Lowry. And you're right, Tony Notto has deserved this bump. And then the fourth line, I don't think we should dismiss either because if you have Veseline and Harkins and suddenly Gustafson in that role, this is not just a line you have to throw out over the boards to uh, quote-unquote hold water. This is a group that can generate while also being responsible defensively. We know there's built-in chemistry with Veselainen and Gustafson. And I also think that Harkins would fit perfectly on that line, given what he's been able to do in terms of being a disruptive guy and a guy that has a good shot and just needs to get it off a little bit more often. Playing with Gustafson, who makes the guys around him better at the level he's been playing at, he can help bring out some of the offense maybe in both of those wingers who have good shots but need to look for them a little bit more frequently. Now, the key is always... Is the ice time going to be six minutes or is it going to be closer to 10? Now, that's where we need to find out where things are at. And the other important thing to remember, too, I think Sunday's an afternoon game. So although there there is some space between games, getting that fourth line a little bit more ice time on Friday to help put you in a better place for Sunday is, I think, important in this situation, especially with the potential of a back-to-back coming up, depending on what happens with the Nashville scenario, obviously, with their COVID scare uh, you know, there's a big block of games here before Christmas, and that's the Jets are trying to get themselves on a roll. I mean, because look at the standings, Hus. Those <laughs> lowly Vancouver Canucks that were once nothing but a pipe dream are three points behind the Jets. Now, yes, the Jets have two games in hand, but things are become a little bit more precarious than they were in the last couple of weeks here. Yeah, well, I mean, there's been some other teams that have made some pretty bold moves, figuring that their teams were going in the wrong direction, made some pretty big changes, including at the head coach position. And uh, lo and behold, look at what's happened with the Vancouver Canucks. Hey, Bruce Boudreaux's done a great job so far in getting that thing turned around and turned around fast. And, uh, you know, it would be interesting to see Philly making as well. I, you know, I, I guess, you know, I mean, obviously there's lots, you know, when you have a loss like that, and, you know, over the course of the last month, there's been many of them. 
Um, and I think if the expectations weren't as high and many of the built-in excuses that were around the club for the last couple of years weren't gone, um, there might be a little bit more rope. But um, maybe the most damning thing for the coaching staff right now is the continued struggle of the special teams. So, huh, Ken? Yeah, I mean, that's an area that's a point of consternation for the coaching staff. I mean, you can you know that they're looking for solutions and ultimately it comes down to execution, but um, they need to be better. I mean, they just gone through a stretch where they were seven for seven with the penalty kill and lo and behold, it's a power play goal that gets the opponent on the board. So uh, nobody more frustrated than them probably, but uh, it's something where the solutions have to be found. And I mean, that's why I said, I mean, Gustafson makes so much sense on so many levels because he can fill an immediate need that has been a struggle virtually from the first game of the season. So this is not to say that David Gustafson is going to solve all the Jets' problems, but he can help solve or at least help improve some of the scenarios, and that's one of them. When it comes to the power play, I mean, yesterday, that's a game where the Jets needed a power play goal. I know they only had three opportunities, and I know they have a completely different look. And, of course, if Mark Scheifele's shot goes off the post and in, it's a different conversation because then they don't lose the special teams battle. But because of the situation that they're in, they've lost the special teams battle so often, now you're expecting them to either be even or better on so many nights. So I uh, you, you they sort of lose the benefit of the doubt in some of those scenarios, Huss, right? So uh, three shots on goal on three power plays is just simply not good enough against a team that had lost seven in a row and had one win in their previous 12 games. I mean, good on the Sabres for playing a loose and free game and converting their opportunistic chances. But the Jets can't afford to be dropping points against teams like the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, you know, with all due respect to the Buffalo Sabres, who, yes, are an NHL team, but have been going through some tough times. No doubt about it. Kenny, so let's talk about practice today. We mentioned the new lines. Uh, it sounds like there was an extended conditioning skate, if you will. The old bag skate came out. What what happened before that? What did they work on? And uh, fill us in on what you saw when uh, the pucks were put away. Yeah, I mean, it's not the traditional bag skate, but it, it was a situation where the Jets were trying to get back up to speed. Uh, Paul Maurice uh, called it cleaning out the carburetor, which was a good way to put it. Uh, it was not for an extended period of time, but yes, they did some uh, sprints uh, that, you know, and things of that nature, which were required. I mean, Andrew Kopp said it perfectly. What happened at practice was necessary after a disappointing effort. So the key for the Jets is to put the poor, disappointing showing in the rearview mirror and ensure that the consistency arrives so that we're not talking about this a week from now or or you know two weeks from now. Like Losses are going to happen, but you can't have dispiriting losses happen with the frequency they've been happening, especially in home games, right? That's the other part of this, coming home off the road. And hey, the Jets have left their West Coast schedule mostly behind them. They'll play Vegas on January 1st. That game's an afternoon game. So they're, you know, they put the tough schedule part of the schedule behind them, but their schedule still remains tough because they've got a lot of quality opponents that are showing up, especially central division opponents after Friday night's game against the Caps. I mean, there are some big time matchups against teams that the Jets are chasing. So they need to improve their in-division record, and they can't really, to be quite frank, they can't afford many more slip-ups. I mean, yes, they're only one point out of eighth spot, but 
the Jets are not, you know, they'd be happy to make the playoffs. Yes, but this is a team that has more than just playoff aspirations and being a bubble team. So if you want to get yourself into that next stratosphere, you need to be more consistent and you need to be playing better. You know, I, I, I agree with everything you just said, but I do scratch my head and wonder how we're having these conversations over and over again. And, you know, some people will say, you know, there's a leadership question. I mean, certainly without Blake Wheeler, um, you know, we didn't see Mark Shifley step up and be that guy that put the team on his back far from it last night. Josh Morrissey, I think, is more of a quiet leader. Certainly it was, I think it was once again, it was Pierre-Luc Dubois that was leading the way for the hockey club. Um, but it is one of those things, Ken, that, um, you know, it's got to be frustrating for, well, it's, I can tell you for sure, it's frustrating with fans. We heard that loud and clear on your program afterwards and just walking out yeah. of the building yesterday. Um, but I mean, from Paul Maurice, the way he sounded after the game today, the changes that we've seen today with the lines and the fact that, I mean, I don't know, when was the last time you saw a skate like that with the, with the Winnipeg Jets in practice? I mean, they haven't had many practices to begin with, and I guess the schedule is dictated. That doesn't happen very often, but it does seem like he kind of went to a, a a shelf of the toolbox that had not been touched very recently uh, that I can remember. Well, I mean, I would say quickly, Huss, that after the Carolina game, which was also disappointing in terms of the pace the Jets played at, they did do a lot of up-tempo drills the day after that game. So I would say it would be similar in nature. Maybe there was a little bit more emphasis on the skating today. But, I mean, coaches are smart. They can, they can disguise bag skates in numerous ways. And the Jets just needed to be faster. So I don't have a problem. If people see this Why as would anyone Mar- disguise a bag skate? I mean, like, no, if I mean, anything, just, I think it's important sorry. to say, to have that go out. And, you know, at a certain point, there are people that wonder with what you hear after losses like this. And the question I hear all the time is, like, where is the accountability? And I, hopefully it's happening within the room. It certainly doesn't happen publicly. And, you know, everyone can have their own opinion on uh, whether that's a good or a bad thing. Um, but, I mean, when you say something like that, I'm like, you know what? Do the basket. Televise the damn thing. Let people know that they are doing what they can try to do to turn that thing around. Um, because I can tell you what, everyone that bought a ticket to that game last night probably would be fully in favor of a, <laughs> of a fresh, upbeat practice with uh, plenty of skating. For sure. And, and I mean, just the concept of the bag skate has sort of been put to the side, I guess. All. And when I, when I say disguise, I mean there are a lot of bag skates during the course of the year that are disguised by the coach just in terms of the type of drills they do. They still get the message across in terms of what's happening. But uh, it's just the mentality has changed and, and, and things like that. I mean, just to share one classic with, the, with our viewers, us, and the listeners to the podcast – uh, in the in the annals of classic bag skates, uh, we once lost a game w- as a member of the Winkler Flyers. Yeah, I think the game was in Dauphin or Nipawa, and uh, it was a classic. Wear the gear home and then skate as soon as the bus gets back to town. We even had one classic on a Friday night after a home game where the Flyers played so poorly that as soon as the game was over, we went back into the room took the home jerseys off, put the practice jerseys on, and then had a bag skate while there were still some people in the arena. And the coach said, you don't even deserve to wear the actual jerseys for the bag skate. That's how bad the performance was. So, I mean, whenever I hear bag skate, it it, it brings back some great Let memories. me ask you this. Do you think that crossed Paul, Paul Maurice's mind last night after the <laughs> hockey game? <laughs> it may have crossed his mind, but uh, those days, I think, are over at all levels, and, uh, and we understand why, but... Uh, 
uh, just something that kind of always brings a smile or a chuckle to my face. And uh, I do have to admit that in those bag skates, I was often the uh, the annoying player, uh, you know, banging on the ice and hooting and hollering and, you know, pushing your line mate when it seems like they have no energy left. Uh, sort of that energizer bunny, uh, at, you know, that was kind of my role and I was happy to play it. And I'm sure that there were uh, many people that were more than happy that wanted to tell me to, uh, you know what, uh, uh, insert Paul Maurice Friday night GIF from Vancouver here. Not just the off, but the write-off was uh, was part of those some of those conversations. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, pal, thanks for doing this. Uh, are you guys doing a long form this week? Yeah, we are. I just actually got confirmation. We touched on it last week. Uh, John Morosi from the NHL Network and MLB Network uh, will be one of our two guests for the long form. Uh, I think he'll be joining us at 3.35 p.m. Uh, John has had his eyes on the uh, Team USA camp. We've uh, been uh, trading messages back and forth about the play of Chaz Lucius, who was named to the Team USA roster. So there will be uh, Nikita Chibrikov for Team Russia, Cole Perfetti, obviously, with Canada, and Chaz Lucius playing for Team USA. I think he was with Matty Beniers from Michigan in that uh, in a line yesterday. So uh, if he's going to be used in a role that large, uh, I think a lot of the Jets fans will We'll get to see what I saw uh, earlier this month or last month in North Dakota. This is a really highly skilled player and a real pure goal scorer. So we're super excited for the show. And also, too, I mean, I'm fired up for the World Juniors. It's a great time of year. Yeah, no doubt. So uh, you'll be doing that at 3 o'clock once we're finished tomorrow afternoon? Yes, sir. Yep. Excellent. We will, we will so follow uh, in your footsteps. Thursday, uh, hang out with us. Um, and we will, by the way, announce that contest winner. Go to winnipegsportstalk.com contest. Enter to win tickets for the Jets caps. We'll give them away on tomorrow's show. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, just get over to the site. We want to make sure we have this available to all our podcast listeners as well. Before we go, you mentioned international hockey. Um, everyone talking about uh, the uh, the COVID outbreaks around the league. What do you think that is doing to potential Olympic participation in your mind, Ken? And if it happens, and I think we could safely say it's a big if, uh, is it Connor Hellebuck and Kyle Connor and that's it from the Winnipeg Jets? Yeah, it's interesting, Huss. I mean, I don't, I, I don't have a great answer for you on that front. Uh, I hope the best on best Olympics are played, but you have to take the safety element into consideration. I mean, Andrew Kopp was pretty, you know, vehement earlier this week that uh, although some players are, you know, opting out, if you will, he would not be one of those players given his personal circumstances. So, I mean, right now, I would say those two guys are the only locks on the one. I mean, also Ehlers, I guess, but. Uh, in terms of locks, I would say Connor and uh, and Hellebuck would be would be locks for Team USA. I still think that because of what Cop does away from the you know away from the puck and defensively, he'll still be he'd be a perfect guy for that 13th or 14th forward role, and with the opportunity to potentially move up the lineup, even though he's had a bit of a dry spell here offensively, and because of the penalty killing element, which is something that Mike Sullivan did discuss uh, when he was here with the Pittsburgh Penguins and he was asked about it by Sarah Orleski and myself, so. And I mean, Shifley's not out of the mix yet. I mean, I saw a list recently, play, you know, up on Sportsnet's Twitter handle that had him as the 13th forward as well. Uh, I would say there's lots of competition for that job. And I would also say there's still time for Shifley to win that job. I don't think that he's played himself off the team, but I think he certainly needs to elevate his level of play in order to ensure a spot on that team. But uh, the Jets will certainly have participation if the tournament does go on with NHL players. Uh, this next two weeks or whatever, Huss, is critical when it comes to deciding what's going to happen because it sounds from all you know from all likelihood and reports 
that some other measures are going to be put in place here in terms of, I'm not sure if it's full bubble action, but tightening up the restrictions and, and things like that. And you just hope that, that it can get better. The situation has to get better. I mean, 27 players and staff members of the Calgary Flames on, you know, in COVID protocol, that's a scary, scary number. And you hope that this can kind of get straightened out here and that the season can continue without a disruption. No doubt about it. Hey, thanks for doing this, Powell. We'll look forward to the show tomorrow and uh, make sure you ask Morosi about the Jays. Uh, people, uh, I, I know you'll be able to mix that in at some point in the, <laughs> in the midst of all that hockey talk. Yes, sir. Huss, I hope you enjoyed the game on Sunday and count me among those who felt Sergio Castillo should have been the MVP. Uh, I know you've discussed it a little bit this week and that's not a knock on Caleros who, who obviously got the job done when it counted but without the five field goals and the two singles and the extra point, I mean, man, that that's we're having a different conversation on Monday uh, about potentially not having back-to-back championships for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And there again, hat tip to Kyle Walters, who knew <laughs> that the kicking game was a big issue. And lo and behold, the kicking game came up big when he needed it to most. So... Uh, that that was a big effort by both the kicker and the person who brought in the kicker. So yeah, yeah, Walters deserves a lot of credit. I mean, uh, it was pretty, it was smooth sailing for most of the season, but we all knew that coming down to the end that this team was going to win a championship. They were probably going to have to do something about the kicking position. And uh, once again, everything coming up, Walters, when it came to the moves that he made, and uh, we're gonna have a big party tonight at IG Field to celebrate it. Weber, thanks for doing this, man. We'll talk soon. My pleasure, Huss. Thanks for having me, and uh, have yourself a fantastic weekend, my friend. Right back at you. There's Ken Weeb at Weeb's World, and uh, tomorrow, following WST, he and uh, Rennie will uh, fire up their uh, weekly show, 3 p.m. tomorrow on YouTube. Make sure to give them a sub. Um, Our friends at Little Brown Jug are ready for the holidays. Of course, they celebrated their five-year anniversary a couple weeks back, and to commemorate it, did up the brand new five-year anniversary brew, the Brute IPA. Might go very well tonight, to be honest, because it is a celebratory beer, and there's going to be a lot of celebrating tonight in Winnipeg. Brewed for Little Brown Jug's fifth anniversary, a champagne-like extra-dry IPA with flavors of citrus and stone fruit. Uh, That, of course, is available down at the brewery and tap room on William Avenue. You can also order right now at littlebrownjug.ca featuring free delivery within the city. And while you're there, check out the five-year tulip glasses, the new gift boxes they have, as well as new toques and merchandise as well, all ready for the holidays. And make sure you're stocked up on 1919 the next time you're having people over here in and around Christmas. Um, Our friends at Princess Auto were fired up. Congratulations again to Colin Hodgson and Chelsea Carey. Another Princess Auto rep curling squad who just qualified for the mixed doubles trials, which are going to be happening coming up in Portage La Prairie. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of Jen Jones, the Queen, going back to the Olympics, as well as Team Mike McEwen. And Princess Auto is also the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two locations in Winnipeg. Canadian headquarters right here in Winnipeg and family-owned since its inception. And, of course, you can also shop online for some great gift ideas, 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. And check out their Facebook page. Got a great half-hour video on uh, some interesting gift ideas for uh, the uh, the project person in the family. All there at princessauto.com and on their Facebook page. And uh, 
Let's get to the Boston Pizza scoreboard for tonight. Huge, huge evening last night with 13 games scheduled in the National Hockey League. They didn't didn't all go off, as we well know. Tonight, we got three games. Washington at Chicago, Rangers at Arizona, Seattle at Anaheim. Uh, maybe you pop by your local BP with a few friends after celebrating the Bombers down at IG Field tonight. And if you're staying home, you can always get the great taste of Boston pizza by calling your local location or ordering online at bostonpizza.com. All right, just had a great chat with Ken Weeb. Very interesting practice today with the uh, blender in full force, new lines, and a spirited conditioning skate at the end of the proceedings. Um, but I think a lot of people interested to hear what Paul Maurice had to say after practice today. We've got that now for you here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Here's the coach. The first part, sorry. Familiarity with yeah, well, part of the team? Or? Uh, balance would be a, another way of looking at it. We, we, uh, we've got to get a more role identification from our bottom six forwards if, if they're not going to generate much then they have to shut down so we've got to get another line that we can use and you know you look at the van game uh connor Schaaf and wheeler were, were dominant but uh and then and then dubois and ehlers was good last but i need another line especially when you look at the next four opponents they're going to be two lines deep of skill so there has to be more than one line and we can't suffer through somebody having an off night uh and playing against the other team's best andrew was just in here and he sort of alluded to the fact that it's been difficult this season to find consistency when there hasn't been a lot in terms of the lineup. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I don't know that we've been as banged up this year as we have been in the past, clearly. Okay, key pieces in Mark and Blake missing some time and then Blake being out, but I, our back end's you know, been pretty uh, consistent with that. So I, I don't think that, uh, I think we've had years here where we've had way more players out of the lineup where you were fielding a different lineup every night. I, I don't think that's an issue. Andrew described the practice today as necessary when we asked him just about the, you know, what happened, obviously a lot of skating and stuff. How would you see what? It, it was a sprint day today. It, it wasn't a punishment day. It certainly wasn't a, a so-called bag skate at all. I got to get this team back on central time. I got guys here that have been out west seven times since the start of the season. We've lost our last three games coming home. Yeah, we, we outshot a team 46-15, so I, we were ready to play that night. As And, and I like the way we played the front half of the Pittsburgh game, which is the, the last one. But And we were better than they were last night, but that doesn't matter. We should be, right? We, we've, we weren't as good as we needed to be to win that game. So I just feel we played in a fog. Right? You think you're working hard, you think you're driving, but you're not. And so we needed to get the carburetor cleaned out today, and it was just a sprint day up and down the ice, get the legs moving get the blood flowing hard it's 42 minutes so it's not long enough to be considered a punishment skate i gotta get these guys cleaned up and back to speed well from the bench uh last night was a season high 23 missed shots is that just trying to be too fine when a goaltender makes a couple of big saves early in the hockey I think game that's just that? I, I think that's just no i i, I think it's just this, that's the difference between sharpness and not being sharp you're going to miss the net sometimes and uh, but if you get a big, big volume of that, um, you know, you, it's, it would be almost, I'd view that the same as you get a big number of block shots, you're not moving enough. And, and if you're missing the net, you're just not getting it off your stick quick enough for your, you're, you're trying to find maybe something better. But I, I thought that was, wouldn't have been a whole lot different from some of our passing, even though, you know, I mean, we, we, 
the two or three bad D zone coverages and a lot of them we left the guy open in net. But other than that, you know, we gave up a shorthanded goal, a two-on-one goal off a really unusual play at our off their offensive our offensive line, their defensive line. But Where those uh, defensive uh, zone plays you just alluded to is that the fog, or is that also trying to do too much? No, not not enough, fast enough. So they didn't have enough time in our end to be particularly dangerous. They had some motion. We're late getting a guy, so that's when confusion builds. When, when you've got switch offs and you're and you're just holding. Um, yeah, but, but the game wasn't played in our end. Well, do you perceive having a twelfth forward for Friday's game? And I do. Here for practice tomorrow? Correct. Yeah, we need one more day of testing to be sure. Okay. Just trying to understand, like, so the metrics were great last night. I mean, you, and you just said yourself, you, you played, didn't play a lot. Like, but <clears throat> those are the games you're, you're losing this season. And, and, and why, why is that, I guess, is what I'm asking. Like, metrically, you, you know, analytically, you're fine. Right, so it's the question that last year, the analytics aren't good, but you're winning. Uh, and our analytics are better, so we're getting more shots, and we've had a couple of them, right, the, the, the Phoenix game. Those are the two games that you would expect where they are in the standings that we should be better than they are. And, and we were in both games, but just not as, as good as we needed to be. Just finishing then? Like... No, no, no I, I, I never like coming in and say, if you come in every day and you say, hey, we had our chances, that's a dangerous thing to be thinking about, right? We, weren't, we didn't drive fast enough in that game last night to create as much as we would have needed to to put tremendous pressure on that goal. The guy in Arizona, 46 to 15, he has a big night. Um, but last night, I mean, we weren't as good as we can be. How do you generate more of those eight chances when you aren't at speed? Oh, not putting pucks into the middle, put it right to the net. So their, their third goal, right, it, it gets blockered off Helly into a scrum at the net and it goes in. That's a break in some ways. But we didn't have any of those breaks, right? I mean, we had a few pucks to the net toward the end of the second period, end of the first and end of the second period. We had a bunch of those opportunities. We just need more of them. Is, that being, is it being a struggle concept, conceptually then, of getting guys more to the net? Well, not, in, not lately. As a matter of fact, you go back through our stretch of games where we haven't won. We've put more pucks to the net. We're getting more slot shots. We're getting all the things we need. It's just not going yet. So it's a matter of getting there and getting harder, getting harder. Like we're there now, and now we gotta we gotta pick up some more of those pucks. We gotta win a few of the more of those battles. Right? We're getting it to the net. We're now starting to get to the net. Now we gotta be a little bit heavier when we do. Last year, this team took great pride. Most of the season, not stringing together losses, coming yeah. back, bouncing back. Um, really, consistency has been a hallmark of this team for a long time. Seems to struggle to find consistency this year. What do you think has been the biggest barrier to finding that? I, I, I don't feel that. Um, I think expectations change that, that we're expected that we're going to win every night. We had, I don't know, we went 9-1-4. and four. Then we had a hell of a stretch. Right, we lost four in a row. I think there's some other teams in the league going through that right now. And then we came out and we're four two and three four three and like like we've we're still building. That's all. We're still building, fellas. All right. There's the coach from today uh, on Winnipeg Sports Talk. They'll be back at practice tomorrow. And Remo, from what we just heard, I think it is safe to say that the long-awaited sound of the Gus bus rolling into the Jets' locker room will be played tomorrow on this program. There, we, we, 
we do expect it to go down tomorrow. Um, as I said, as long as the tests come back and, you know, I don't blame them at all for being uber careful right now with what's happening in and around um, the uh, the hockey club and the hockey world. Um, but that being said, it sounds like a 12 forward will be on the way. And you'd have to think that that sound of the Gus bus will, in fact, be official tomorrow. I'd like to think the uh, Nathan Bullyu at fourth line forward uh, experiment is over. I mean, although, I mean, he did do it legit. They did a legitimately one game and scratched Veselainen and, and it was baffling that you would do that. So, well, we'll wait and see there. So there is a situation of the moose, which is why they haven't made the call up. I mean, they have to Wheeler is, is out weeks with an injury. So, uh, I mean, we're expecting it to be David Gustafson. I've seen people also comment, hey, if they call him up, will they leave him parked in the garage or are they going to put him out on the uh, on the tracks? So, they don't have anybody else. They don't yeah. have anybody else. They 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 need those wheels on the uh, on the ground and in the rotation. So mm-hmm. that'll certainly be something we'll be talking about. Um, hey, before we go, uh, don't forget, if you came in late, we do have a contest for a pair of great seats for the Jets-Caps game on Friday, courtesy of our friends at Canadian Club. Go to winnipegsportstalk.com, click on contest, fill it out, enter there. Certainly for you folks on the podcast, um, please get that done. We wanted to make sure it was open to everyone that enjoys the program. And we will announce that on tomorrow's show. Thanks again to our friends at Canadian Club for doing that. Uh, hey, before we go, everyone that's with us live on YouTube in the chat, who's uh, who's heading down to, uh, to the stadium tonight? Bomber celebration. Uh, if you got here late, I had a great conversation with Brandon Alexander in the first uh, hour of the program. Uh, Remus and I will be down there. We'll try and get some good content for you. We'll throw it up on the socials. Make sure you're following us at Sports Talk WPG on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We'll throw some of that out. And uh, Remus, I'm really fired up about this. I mean, I think it's going to start getting cold like later on tonight and into tomorrow. Um, but we had us all this fog today. It was actually really quite warm. So hopefully it'll still be relatively nice. Uh, but regardless of what the weather's like, you know that Bomber fans are going to be showing up and ready to have fun and celebrate this back-to-back Grey Cup championship victory. Yeah, I'm looking at the weather. Minus one right now feels like minus six. That's like a Schwartz weather compared to what we experienced at IG Field at the West Finals. So... Uh, I'm trying to bring up the the evening tonight. Oh, minus what minus fourteen? We'll see. Well, I I got a nice jacket. I've bundled up. Uh, I mean, that's nothing. Again, nothing compared to what was before. So <laughs> yeah, I think, we were at the West Final. Everyone yeah. that's been at the West Final, this is going to be an absolute breeze. Glad to see everyone. A lot of people going to be there. Jet Oil, Tom, Jeff Bose, Christopher, Matt, Alexa, KK, uh, BA Split. Great to see you there, Manny. Fran, gotta ask the wife, Manny. You're what? Just let her know that you're going to be there tonight. It's this is something that you need to be there. Bomber fans need to be there, and in fact, your wife probably should be there too. Invite her, but let her know that there's a very important meeting that you need to be with thousands of Blue Bomber fans down at IG Field tonight. Doors open at five o'clock. It'll get going at six p.m. Again, follow our socials. We'll have some content tonight, and certainly we'll talk about it tomorrow. Uh, a wrap more, hopefully maybe another Bomber guest tomorrow on the program. We will certainly be talking more about the Winnipeg Jets, a little more from their practice as we get ready for Friday and uh, the return of Alexander Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals. Um, certainly they're going to need to be buried and play a much better 60 minutes 
Friday night if they want to get a result in what we saw last night against the Buffalo Sabres. Thanks to everyone that was with us. Great turnout as always. If you haven't already, make sure you hit that red subscribe button and join us daily 1 p.m. here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, big thanks to Brandon Alexander and Ken Weeb for joining us. Of course, Michael Remus dealing with a lot today in the chat. But thanks to everyone that is normally so supportive and respectful. And of course, all of our sponsors, including F Apparel, Vita Health Fresh Market, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports should be getting in that championship gear today. Not Autocorp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, our friends at the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course, Cool Bet Canada. Folks, hopefully we'll see you tonight at the stadium. Have a great night. Bundle up if you are going. It's going to be fun, and we'll see you tomorrow, 1 o'clock, right back here on WST. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.